It's good to see you guys this morning. So as we get started today, we are in week three of our Moses series. And a lot of you know Moses. You grew up with Moses. You have the felt book from Moses, right, that you had in Sunday school. You know this story. And what we're trying to do is trying to look at the life of Moses that was built by God because of Moses' faith. If we pay attention, Moses is one of those individuals that just had so much faith And we want to kind of imitate that and figure out what it means to have that level of faith and what he did. Now, again, if you are familiar with the story of Moses, you're going to go, hold on, Brandon, how many weeks is this going to go? Because the life of Moses is three books of the Bible. So um, how long is this going to go? So this is only going to go five weeks. And many of you that know your Bible are going to go, hold on, dude, that's not enough time. Well, it's not enough time if we touch every part of Moses' life. So we are going to hit the wave tops of Moses' life. You know, we learned in week one of the importance of yearning or chasing after the things of God and going after that and how Moses and God kind of started that out and set Moses up for that process and what we see. Last week, we asked a question, and it was a hard question. It was, what do we do when God is silent? Because we've all experienced chapters of silence in our life. And we learn that just because the Lord is silent does not mean that he is inactive. It simply means he is silent for the moment. Not only that, we learned that it's so important that we have an action during that time. When when God is silent, and and again, we've all had seasons and chapters of our life like that. When God is silent, we have to do what we know to do, right? You guys remember this from last week? Do what you know to do until you know what to do next. Moses was waiting for his call from God. God, Moses had done a bad thing. He had killed the Egyptian, and then he ran off because he had to flee from Egypt or they were going to kill him. So Moses flees from Egypt. And as he flees from Egypt, uh, theologians believe about 40 years pass where he is simply a shepherd, and that's all he's doing. He's not leading the nation. He's not doing anything special yet. He was in that waiting season, that waiting chapter, that God was building Moses up to do the next thing because Moses wasn't ready yet. And so last week we, get, we did. We asked the question, what do we do when God is silent? This week we're going to ask a similar question, except it's going to be, what do we do when God speaks? Because that's where we're picking up the story. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead, give you, I'll give you a lead ahead. You're going to get to Exodus chapter 3. But before we dive into that, I want to ask a question. Have you ever heard a clear call from God but been worried that you can't do it? Anybody? God has called you to do something. He says, this is what's expected of you. You know what to do. And you, you, know, you know right away God is pulling you away from something or calling you to something. It's obvious. You know it in your heart. You feel it in your soul. You feel it in your spirit. You know he's been speaking and guiding and directing you. But then you get right to the edge and you doubt whether you can actually accomplish it. Because the mountain seems too high to climb, too much to take. And some of you go, I don't know what you're talking about. Sure you do. If you have kids, you've struggled with this before. You've asked the question, I don't know if I can be the parent that this kid needs. And you probably hit that at different age groups, you know. You hit it when it's their firstborn. You're like, I can't be this parent because I don't sleep. And then after that, you get to a place where they start to to argue with you a little bit. And you're like, I don't know if I can be this parent because I'm going to kill them, right? And then you get to be teenagers. And then when they're teenagers, you're like, I can't be this parent because I want them gone, 
right? And then you go to the next, and then you just get to this place. But we've all had that experience before where God has called us to something. Maybe it's the new career that God has so clearly called you to. And as he's called you to this career, you're nervous and you're afraid and you don't know what's next. But when you sit back and unpack it, you're like, oh man, God is obviously pulling me in that direction. But when it's time to step away from what you currently have and into what God has for you next, you get right to the line and you get nervous. You get cold feet. The Marine Corps, we had a thing where we had to do swim qual. One of the things is you had to actually get off of the diving board with your gear. What was really funny was watching those guys who talked really big. You know what I'm talking about? They ain't afraid of the water till they hang 10 toes and look. And then all of a sudden they get, they get stage fright. They get scared. They want to back up. And for some of us, we are sold out to God until he pushes us past our comfort zone and he tells us to hang 10 toes. And we're like, oh, I don't know about all that, Lord. I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of thing just yet. And we get uncomfortable, and we don't always think we can do it. We don't always think we can do it. Maybe it's happening with your career. Maybe it's happening, you, you, God has very clearly called you to start a ministry to where you're going to start a nonprofit or, or meet a need in the community, and he's so clearly called you to that. And as he's called you to that, you're afraid, and you sit back and go, I don't think I can do that. I don't know that I can step into that, that next role. I'm so afraid that I'm not going to be able to accomplish it. And if you'll give me the permission, I'm going to get up in your grill for just a second. Maybe it's that he's calling you away from something. Maybe he said, this is the last time you need to touch that bottle. Maybe he said, said this is the last pack you're going to smoke. Maybe he's been pulling and leaning you and pulling you away from, uh, you know, looking at that thing on your phone when things get stressful that you know you probably should not. Maybe it's him calling you away from something that's unhealthy to you. And you doubt not that he doesn't want you to do it. You're past that point. You're past the point of arguing whether it's right or wrong. You're into the place of, God, I don't think I'm capable of doing it. I'm afraid, even though you've called me to it, that I can't achieve it. God, this is too much. I am too afraid of doing this. And if we dr drill right down to it, the lack of confidence is not just in us. Because what it really says is we lack confidence in him, not just us. If he's called you to it, if he's called you to it, you've got to listen to what he's saying. If he's called you to it, then and you're still doubting, Maybe it's not doubting you as much as you're doubting him. Because if he's called you to it, he's probably going to be there in the midst of it. And again, I don't want this sermon to be one of those just trust God more sermons. Because I mean, I could get up here and I could preach that. And I believe it because I mean, from time to time, the pastor is going to tell you, you just need to trust God more. All right. Sometimes that just needs to. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell him, trust God more. Tell him that. Trust God more. Sometimes I'm going to do that. And sometimes that's important. But I'm not, I'm not going to go there just today. Because uh, if we take this section of Moses' life, we see so much more than just trusting God, but something else really happens. Something else happens inside of Moses. I'm going to try today to encourage you through the life of Moses and the way God interacts with his life to show you that you can trust him more. Not tell you to trust him more. I want to show you that you can trust him more. So if you came today and you're looking for hope or some sort of encouragement, I'm glad you're here 
today because you can trust him more. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week. So if you guys remember, we left off last week. If you have your Bibles, crack them open. If you don't, use your phone. There's a Bible app. It's great. It's free. I encourage you to open God's Word because just reading God's Word is not enough. You have to get God's Word into you, and that has to happen outside of just Sunday. So I encourage you to have your Bibles. If not, we're going to put it on the screen for you. So Exodus chapter 3, what we found last week is God has been silent with Moses Moses has been doing the right thing, right? Moses has just been doing the right thing until he knows what to do next, and then he stumbles on the burning bush. And as he stumbles on the burning bush, Moses does what any reasonable human's going to do. He approaches this bush that, as the text says, was not burnt up or consumed. And as he's approaching this burning bush, the Lord says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, he's identifying himself, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face. He's heard the stories of God because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians, from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the, the cry of Israel has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God draws Moses in, and he says, Mo, I got a mission for you. I got something I need you to do. You are going to go and free the people of Israel. Listen to Moses' response. He said this to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses says, Hold on. Me? You want me to go? It's like, God, it's like Moses sits back and goes, Hold on, God. Um, did you forget I was a murderer? Hold on. Did you notice that I'm wanted in Egypt? God, if I go back and I show up to the Pharaoh's palace, I'm not going to get an audience with the Pharaoh. I'm going to get my head on a spike if I go try to do that nonsense, God. I cannot and surely am not going to try to do that. So, come on. Not only that, I mean, I'm just a shepherd now. It's been years since I've done anything like that. Come on, God. There is no way that I'm going to do that. And I mean, come on. You must have me confused with the other Moses somewhere else. There's another Mo somewhere else, and I don't know who he is, but it's not obviously me. He's doubting. And listen to what God says next. God responds to him and said, I will be with you. Moses immediately doubts his capability to do the thing God had just called him to do. And as he's doubting that, God turns around and says, I will be with you. Not, I'll be with you if your church attendance is solid. Not, I'm going to be with you if you show up when I tell you to show up. He's just like, hey, if you do this, I'm calling you to this, Moses. If you show up, Moses, I will be there. I will be with you. And here's the thing. 
And this is true uh, of just anything in your life. So if you're, you know, maybe the coffee wasn't strong enough today, I'll let Kendra know to spice it up if it wasn't strong enough today. Um, maybe you're tired and you're about to fall asleep. Maybe it's the warm uh, temperature in here. Maybe you're just like, Brandon, this isn't all that interesting yet. Um, then I just need you to listen in and lean into this one thing that I'm going to say because this is so, so important. The entire message kind of hinges on this. Remember this, if he's leading me, to it. He's going to get me through it. If God is leading you to it, the promise that God had for Moses is the same one that he has for you. If he's leading you and drawing you to it the same way he was Moses, he's going to get you through whatever that is. And many of us sit back and that makes us uncomfortable. But the truth is, if he's leading you to it, he's going to get you through it. He has a plan. He has a goal. And for him, it's very important. And so then the Lord goes on to tell Moses how it's all going to go down. I mean, he gives him the blueprint. He gives him the playbook. So Moses goes, hold on. When they ask me who you are, what do I say? What am I supposed to say? And God says, you tell them, I am sent you. And Moses is probably like, all right. First name, maybe. First name, I. Last name, Ann. Okay, all right. Um, so then Moses is like, I don't know what to do next. And then the Lord says, well, just what you're going to do, you're going to gather the Israelites together, all of the leaders and elders there. You're going to gather them together. You're going to tell them what I told you, and you're going to tell them, we're leaving. We're blowing this popsicle stand. We're out. And then you're going to move on. And then the Pharaoh, God's like laying it out. <clears throat> he says, the Pharaoh's not going to let you go. And when the Pharaoh doesn't let you go, I, God says, am going to compel him with a mighty hand, is what the text tells us. And as he compels him with a mighty hand, the Egyptians will give you riches as you leave their own country, the Lord says. To which all of us sit back and go, man, I wish God would lay it out for me like that, right? You're like, God, I want the beginning. God, I would like the middle. And God, if you can give me the end, how's it going to end? Am I going to walk out with riches or am I going to walk out broke? Like, I would just appreciate if you just kind of line out what's going on, right? And you're, you're like, God, if you could just write it down, give me a playbook. I'll even do the burning bush thing. I don't care. I just kind of want that to happen, right? I just want to know what exactly is going on. And Moses answered, listen to him. God just laid out the whole playbook. And Moses says this. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Which is a human response, right? I mean, if we were faced with that same situation before you get high and mighty, before you just get on your high horse, you would have trouble going and telling people this too. In fact, God's told you to invite that friend to church and you still stalling on that. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Shots fired. All right, anyway. Uh, it's a good question, right? I mean, we all have that. And then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? So God's almost like, hey, look, you want, you want to know what to do? You want to know how to handle this? What's in your hand, Moses? Moses looks down and goes, it's a staff. I've been walking around with it forever. This is, this is what I do. I got a staff. The shepherd's hook, right? And then the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Because that's what you do when something turns into a snake. <laughs> Run from it. Okay? Don't sit there and go, look at that. Give it some space. You don't know what's going on. Moses ran from it because that's what you do in that situation. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And if it was Pastor Brandon, he would have said nope. But Moses reached out and took the snake and turned it back into a, and it turned back into a staff 
in his hand. So, and we sit back sometimes and we go, God, if you could just give me one of those moments, right? Until you're writing your prayers down and God tells you to throw your pen down, you throw your pen down, turns into a cockroach and then tells you to pick it back up. How many of you picking that back up? Don't lie. Don't lie. None of you, all of you are like, I'm picking it back up when we in church and it ain't real. I don't want to do that right now. Right? Or, or you're, you're praying and you're trying to figure out what to do next. You're like, God, I feel like this is what I want to do. I don't know what to do next. You're doing chores like I pray when I do chores. Um, and then maybe you're taking the trash out and God says, throw that trash back down and it becomes a grizzly bear. And then he says, go grab it and not happening, right? We're not doing that. But the truth is, is that's what happened for Moses. This was something that he interacted with every day. And God demonstrates his power and dominion over all of creation, even the fabric of reality, right in front of Moses' eyes when he throws the staff down. And then he makes Moses build his faith a little bit by reaching out and grabbing that sucker. I wouldn't have done that. But God doesn't just end there because Moses didn't even really have a chance to argue with him. God goes on to give him two more Signs. So first, God shows him the snake charming trick where he makes you know, the snake and then grabs the snake. Then he goes on to show him the leprosy miracle where, God, where Moses was to take his hand, pull his cloak over his hand, and then pull it back and it would be a leprous hand. And then he would pull it back over and pull it back out and it would be healed. Reminiscent of what we know in the, the stories of Jesus, right? And then, not only that, God says, look, even if they don't believe that, because they're probably not going to, I want you to go take water from the Nile River, which is the lifeblood of, those, of that country at the time, and then you're going to pour it out onto the ground, and it's going to turn into pure blood, showing that I control everything. It all relies on me. And so surely Moses was ready to go. I mean, look at it. He's got, God says, I'm going to be with you, so I'm ready. I'm going to be with you, Moses. You're going to do this. I'm going to be with you. Not only that, the Pharaoh's going to argue with you, but I'm going to compel him with a mighty hand, right? I'm ready there. Some of you are praying God's going to compel your boss with a mighty hand. He says, I'm going to compel Pharaoh with a mighty hand. So there's that promise. Then he's like, well, what, what do I, who do I tell him? What do I do? And he goes, no, here's my name. So you can call me the Lord by name. And then I'm going to give you three different signs to show that my power is traveling with you. Notice the signs happened for Moses right there already. Surely Moses is ready to go. But then he's got a little flash of insecurities again. Oh, hold on, Lord. <clears throat> I can't speak well. I mean, you want me to show up and tell the Pharaoh what to do. I'm not even sure that I can do that. I mean, I'm supposed to lead these elders and the nation of Israel. I'm going to struggle with that, Lord. I'm not capable of doing that. And then, so God says, <clears throat> who created your mouth? Who created the language that you're using? Who taught you how to speak? Who gave that even opportunity to humans? Moses goes, you? God's like, remember, I'll be with you. Go. Moses is still afraid. And then God says, you know what? Fine. Your brother will take care of it. He's got, he's got good speech. He'll take care of everything. And then, after all of that, I mean, God has literally stacked the deck for Mo. Stacked it. Totally stacked. It's all ready. He's got the playbook. He's got the miracles. He's got it all. I mean, he's got every tool in the tool shed, and he's ready to go. So we think. Listen to what Moses says after 
all of this. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. God, I know you said you're going to be with me, but stopping this is too much. God, I know you said you're going to be with me, but I don't think I can repair this marriage. God, I I know you said you're going to be with me, and I know you laid it all out, but I don't think that I'm capable of achieving what you want me to achieve with that ministry. God, I don't think I'm capable of being the parent that you're calling me to be. Lord, I'm not sure that I'm capable of being the leader or the boss that you're calling me to be. God, and you've had these moments before where you sit back and you go, God, look, just send somebody else. I'm not ready for that. Anybody else, in fact, but not me. And maybe God's called you to it. He's given you the blueprint. He's given you the promise. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be with you. And you sit back and go, not me. Let somebody else do that, please. We've had that moment where we doubt what God is saying. And we're not sure that he's going to come through on the other end of it. We find ourselves backpedaling getting space between what the Lord has called us to and what we're actually doing because of confidence. Confidence in ourselves, and if we're getting right down to it, confidence in him. What happens if he doesn't show up? What happens if we get led to the Red Sea and the waters do not part? What happens if I do take this job? What happens if I do pour myself back into this marriage? What happens if I do? What happens What if, what if, what if? And we become afraid. Because God's calling seems it's a mountain too high to climb. And alone, it is. Alone, it is a mountain too high to climb. Alone, that's kind of the point. But when you lean in and rely on him, the mountain is not that high. And it's achievable. But for us, we only see the climb. We can't see the peak. Now, you know the rest of this story. You've done it in Sunday school. You've done it in your small groups. You've done it as a kid in kids' church, right? You know the rest of this story. The plagues fall on Egypt. God compels Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart waves back and forth. Yes, you can go. No, you can't. And each plague is a little bit more intense than the others. Fun fact, all those plagues are just playing on the Egyptian gods, showing Yahweh, our God's power over those Egyptian gods and his dominion over all of it, finishing with the death angel. And now, what we may not recognize is the Israelites were asked to kill a perfect lamb, take the blood from the lamb and smear it across the top of their door. And then the death angel, that was a marking for the Israelite homes, so the death angel would pass over those homes because the death angel was searching to kill the firstborn of every Egyptian family. And so that was the goal. That's what it was going to do. But what they did is God created a safe, a safe way, a passage, protection for the Israelites to which the angel would pass over their house. That's where the Passover comes from. That's the thing Jesus is celebrating. That's why it's so scandalous when he grabs a hold of the cup and he grabs a hold of the bread and he said, this is my blood and this is my body. It's so scandalous when he says that. 
Because what they had seen before and heard before was it was a celebration of them being freed from the death angel. Little did they know, thousands of years later, God's only son would free them from death, hell, and the grave. So all of this happens, and finally Pharaoh sits back and goes, fine, I'm fine. Guys, I can't do this anymore. Let those Israelites go. Done with it. I can't deal with it anymore. So he lets them go so that they could go and worship. And everything that God said would happen, happens. The Israelites give them the riches and everything like that. And then Israel sets out on a, on a mission. They are leaving Egypt. Where are they going? They don't know. They're following the cloud. God has showed up and he is dry and leaning, leading them by cloud by day and by pillar of fire by night. That's what God was doing. He was showing them, this is where we're going to go. This is what's happening Next, but eventually the Pharaoh realized what he had done. He lost his economic slave force. He lost the ability that he had to feed some of these people. I mean, the Egyptians may not even have been able to make bricks because they just let all their slaves go. So God has told Pharaoh and compelled Pharaoh to let them go, but Pharaoh has changed his mind. And he tells his generals, gather up the army, gather up the chariots, because we need to go get those Israelites back because they belong to us. Meanwhile, God on the other side is saying, no, 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 they belong to me. And so Egypt gathers all of their armies and they set out after the Israelites. Now the pillar of cloud leads the Israelites to the Red Sea. Where the Red Sea is in front of them, the hills are on either side, and the Egyptian army is breathing down their neck. The Egyptian army with chariots and spears are coming for them. And it's going to be a massacre. I mean, any, give, any other way you look at this, it should be a total and complete massacre. Israel is boxed in. They don't have the weapon systems that the Egyptians do. They don't have the training the Egyptians do. It's game over. Israel's done. Whoever survives is going to be made a slave, but everybody else is going to be killed. Surely Moses is going to be killed, and Aaron, and anybody else that had a part in this. And so they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and God was not done. The pillar moved from the front of the, of the Israelites to the back of the Israelite column. And as the, as the Israelites bound, hit the Red Sea, God moves to the back and he throws the Egyptian armies into confusion. He, sh- he covers their camp in darkness and he jams the wheels of the chariots, the text tells us, to where they couldn't chase them any longer. And then God tells Moses, Lift up your staff. Lift up your staff, Moses, over the Red Sea. Now, what's so amazing is the the text we just learned about. God told Moses to go, and then he gave him all of this proof, and he gave him all of these promises. Moses wouldn't go. He was afraid. But now, God says, stretch out your staff. Moses is like, bet doesn't even think about it. It's like it doesn't even cross his mind. 
Sure, maybe there's a little bit of fear. What happens if the Red Sea doesn't open? It's almost like Moses don't care. He's like, no, 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 God has got this far. If we're here, then it's for a reason. And if God tells me to raise my staff, here we go. I'm raising the staff. I don't know what you're about to do, Lord, but I'm ready, right? And he sits and he goes, here we go. And then you know the story. As he raises his staff, the sea parts. And in the morning, the Israelites are commanded the cloud moves back in front of them and leads them across the Red Sea. And then on the other side, as the Egyptians are making their way on dry ground through the sea, God says to Moses, this time, don't stretch out your staff, stretch out your hand. Almost like showing Moses the staff is not the power. My word is the power. Stretch out your hand, Moses, and close up the sea. And he, Moses stretches out his hand, and the sea closes in on itself. And that was the last time that the Israelites ever saw the Egyptians. Completely decimated, completely set free. That wasn't even the hardest thing that Moses and Aaron would do. The hardest thing they would do would be continue to lead the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness. That was the difficult part. But right now... They have this epic story, this epic moment in which God provided. Notice, Moses went from in the beginning of our story having no confidence in God, none. I mean, God gives him the playbook of how this is going to play out. And you and I sit here and we're so judgmental. You know, sometimes we just go, Moses, how could you not? I mean, I wish God would give me that game plan. I wish God would give me the playbook. I wish God would just lay it out for me and show me the beginning, the middle, and the end. Right? I mean, I just wish God would do that for me. Moses went from having no confidence in God, no confidence in himself, to having complete faith in God. In fact, he, Moses is often viewed as one of the pillars or one of the, the, the great statues of faith for the Hebrews from this time forward. I mean, he was the guy. He was Moses. Well, where did that come from? Because God had provided for Moses time and time again. Time and time again, God had provided for Moses. It started with simply throwing the staff on the ground and becoming a snake, and it followed through the entire sequence of events that led him to the Red Sea moment, to where when God said, stretch out your staff, Moses did. He was ready, and he was prepared for it. Because if he's leading you to it, he'll get you through it. God did not have to take them to the Red Sea but he wanted to take them to the Red Sea. He had a plan to get them through the problem, through the issue. And he was going to make it so the Egyptians could never chase the Israelites ever again. Because we know what would have happened. Pharaoh would have been another year, two, three, four, five years before Pharaoh went back to conquer the, Egyptian, to conquer the Israelites. God said, no, that's not how that works. If he's leading you to it, if he's leading you to something, he's going to get you through it. And you go, Brandon, I mean, God's leading me, but it's just, it's right here. I'm at the Red Sea. Okay, well, if he brought you there, he's got a way to get you out of there. I had a friend one time look at me and say, Brandon, when I was 
you know, dealing with whether, you know, leading this church and what was going on and first time ever doing it and no experience and God, I don't know what to do. And my friend just looked and said, Brandon, do you really think the Lord's leading you here to leave you here? Well, no, I don't. And he goes, then go. Wherever God is leading, go do that. Because if he's leading you there, he's got a plan to get you through it. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, all right, I'm there. God has been leaning on me to start this thing or stop this thing, right? I got a thing I need to start or maybe a thing I need to stop, right? And I'm not going to do the wishy-washy, oh, I'm going to kind of stop it. I'm going to slowly stop it. No, I'm just going to sell out and stop. Or I'm not going to do the wishy-washy thing where I'm like, Lord, I need you to do a couple more things and then I'll go, right? Like, no, if he's calling you to it, he's going to get you through it. And as he's calling you to it, I'm going to ask that you would just do it because he's got a plan and he's got a thing ready to go. And he sit back and we go, but God, I don't, I don't know that I can. I don't want to. And God sits there and goes, I've equipped you. I've guided you. I've brought you 40 years through the wilderness. I've taught you how to do this. I've equipped you. I've told you what we're going to do next. And now I'm waiting on you because I'm going to be with you you. But so often we feel like we're alone. And I'm going to tell you right now, the thing that tells you you're alone is a straight lie from the pit of hell. You are not alone. Your heavenly father sees you. Your heavenly father is with you. And if he's calling you to do something, if he's leading you to do something, then he's going to be with you through that process. You're like, all right, Brandon, I'm there. I'm ready. I'm ready to start it. How do I start it? What do I do? I'll tell you the same thing Moses did. It's very simple. I want you to follow the cloud. I want you to follow the cloud the same way Moses did. Moses didn't necessarily have the map of where they were going to go or what they were going to do exactly. Moses did, God did not tell Moses, from what we can tell, that you are going to split the Red Sea. From everything we can tell, Moses didn't know that. And God says, just follow me. And he sets up the, pill, the cloud by day. So if you're ready to follow God, you're ready to take that next step, you're ready to go with him, you're done having the arguments that Moses did, you're done making the excuses, you're done sitting back and pushing away from it, but you're ready to follow the cloud, then take that first step. That's the hardest one. Just remember, Follow him. Because if he's leading you to it, he'll get you through it. So follow the cloud. And you'll, you'll be so happy that you did. And when you do, it's not going to look the way you figured it ought to look. But if, it's God, if God's in it, it's going to be better than what you're doing now. It's going to be better than what you're experiencing right now. Because if he's leading you to it, he's going to get you through it. So follow the cloud. That's the theme for our church this year. We want to be a church that follows the cloud. Wherever God is, that's where we want to be. And I want the same for your personal life. Wherever God is, that's where you want to be. That's where you should strive to be. That's where you should pursue him. Instead of sitting back waiting for him to make all the moves, if the Spirit is moving, go there. Don't wait. Go where the Lord 
is. Imagine for just a second what your life would look like if you followed the cloud earlier. I bet some of your biggest regrets are because you didn't follow God at a certain point in your life, and you can look back on it, and you can say, yep, I remember that very distinctly. Or there's times in your life when you just haven't followed God, you haven't followed the cloud at all, and you sit back and go, man, my family would be so much better if I did. How different would your family look if, you did, if they did follow the cloud? How much different would your life look if you'd followed the cloud from the beginning? Let me ask you this. How different do you think our city would look if just our church were to follow the cloud? If every church in Fredericksburg was to follow the cloud, how different do you think culture would look? How different do you think this city would look if we were to do that? So, as we close, I want to ask this question. And you can let it sit and you can marinate on it, and you can process it. But is there something that God is calling you to that you haven't moved on yet? You're making excuses for, you're uncomfortable with, you're just not ready to to take that leap yet. Is there something in your life to where God has very clearly been speaking and we're do, you're doing the whole, was that you, Lord? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But you know in the heart of hearts that, hey, he is speaking and guiding and pulling and directing you. If that is true, follow the cloud. Don't let it sit. Don't let it sit any longer. Act on it. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? That cloud is Jesus and I'm ready to take that step, then all you have to do is put your faith in him. That's it. You put your faith in Jesus and follow the cloud going forward. That's what's available to us as believers and New Testament believers. And you're like sitting on the outside, I wanna be part of that. All you have to do is admit that you need Jesus in your life, believe that he was the son of God, died for your sins and raised on the third day, and then commit yourself to follow him. Not just commit yourself to believe, commit yourself to follow. So if that's you today, you can pray that prayer and the Lord is with you and he will hear you in this place today. So, Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the example that Moses' life was and is to us. Thank you that, Lord, you're with us. And although we are fearful at times, in fact, most of it rests on our fears. Are you going to provide as a big one, Lord? We we are afraid that you're not going to show up. Lord, we're afraid that we're going to be at the Red Sea and extend our staff and nothing happens, God. We're afraid. We're afraid. What if we heard wrong? What if, what if, what if, what if? So, Lord, I pray for every one of us that's struggling with that this morning. 
that your Holy Spirit would give us a feeling of confidence, that we would feel something shift both in the spiritual and in the natural in this place, Lord, to give us confirmation that it is you. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would move on us in a powerful way, where we would trust you, that we would be daring enough to follow your cloud wherever you lead, that we would be daring enough to follow your presence wherever you go. And although we may not know what the end looks like, Heavenly Father, we know that you're in it. And we trust you in that place. Whether that's in our families, our careers, God, or maybe even in that intimate place of our spirit. Lord, there might be some people in here today where they've heard this and they've never followed Jesus. And they're ready to take that step. So Father, for those people, I want to pray this with them, that I admit that I need you. I believe that you are the Son of God, Jesus. And Lord, I commit my life to you. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, would you shift something in the spiritual to let them know that things aren't the same anymore that they are in a place where they can begin to follow you intimately as we all try our best to follow the cloud. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.